Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping. Okay, hello and welcome to another live edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. My name is Brian Fulford. That's A.D. Drew, and it's a pleasure to be on with you uh, this evening. <clears throat> Drew, you got on Cardinals gear. Uh, are you are you celebrating Albert Pujols' number seven hundred two? Is that what you is that what Albert, that is that is that what that's in honor of? Albert Pujols, Adam Wainwright. Yada year Molina. I've got actually got a Yada year in the uh, closet. Uh, this old are they all done? Uh, jersey right here. Are they all done? That? This is yeah, the this, last. This the last this, weekend this for them. The last go round. This, this is the la- this is the last one for the triumphant. Uh, if you go out there on Twitter, you will see where they did something rare. They took all three of them out of the game at the same time, so they could get you know, all get a standing ovation from the crowd. And it's out oh, there that's on nice. Twitter. Yes, that's yes. nice. You don't see that that's too nice. I'm at uh, the baseball. Yeah, I, I like seeing Albert get number seven oh two. I always thought Albert was a was 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 a good guy. Uh, what did he win? Two World Series for the Cardinals? Did he not? <sighs> Something like that. It, uh, I think they only won one. What else? 
11, I, I believe. It was the last one. Five and 11. I think it was five and 11. Okay. okay. Or six and 11. Well, yeah. Something like that. You, you guys something had a, like you guys that. had a couple of wins, a couple of couple of yeah. disappointments. I'm sure now. Now the Cardinals, if I'm not correct, are not in the playoffs this upcoming year. Is that correct? You are incorrect. Oh, I'm as incorrect. Okay. Are you, you, yes. You guys are in as the show. You made the it as yes. Oh, okay. You won the. Oh, well. I, look, I know. See, baseball. I'm only paying attention to one team in one series. You know who that is. So um, I'm on the Braves. <laughs> I'm watching, paying attention. The Braves just need to finish off the sweep so they can get ahead of uh, of the Mets. You know those dastardly Mets. Who you know, I, full disclosure, I was a Mets fan prior to moving south and attending Florida A&M. So some thirty something years ago, I was a Mets fan, and then I became I become a Braves fan ever for the last thirty years. But anyway. Um, that that's just full disclosure there. So I'm um, I'm excited that the Braves have an opportunity to uh, to 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 not only well they're already in the playoffs, but they got a chance to win the East, which I, I guess because of the new format will screw up the pitching format for the for the uh, for the Mets to you know they beat the best two guys that the Mets have in terms of pitchers, uh, Degrom and oh help me out with the other name I don't know, uh, but anyway. The, the top two pitchers, the Braves beat Friday night and Saturday night, and so now, you know, they got a chance to get a sweep and go up. I think a full game, or is it two games with three left? Something like that. I don't know. I think yeah, the Braves are up one game right now. If they can win tonight, they'll go up three, two games with three left. Pretty much. I mean, they'd have to collapse in the last, you know, we, week, last we've three seen games. worse. Uh, unfortunately, we we've have seen worse, Brian. Yes, worse. Worse has happened. Worse has happened. So, um, you know, we gotta, you know, that's a little sidebar on some baseball talk. Speaking of baseball, coming up later in the show, we're gonna talk about a little a, a little baseball with an HBCU baseball event that'll be happening in Pittsburgh of all places coming up a in October, I, a week from tomorrow. Yeah. So before the actual baseball playoffs begin, there's a uh, HBCU series that'll be happening. Not even a series. I'm sorry, a game in Pittsburgh uh, involving uh, Wiley college and Stillman. So we will have on some people. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the top of hour two uh, coming up at the bottom of our good friend, Charles Edmond, Alcorn State Sports Radio Network. He'll be joining us to talk about the uh, weekend and the SWAC and just uh, maybe some general convo as Alcorn had the week off and uh, they got a chance to watch teams. uh, Well, they got to watch teams (laughs) do what they do. You know, some teams vomited on themselves. Other teams, you know, just just continue to look impressive. Yeah, PB. Excuse me. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough, tough for those guys. Tough for those guys. And and, and uh, shout out to uh, hold up, shout out to Bethune Cookman who's been on the road for like five days due to Hurricane Ian. I know they stayed in two different cities uh, on before they went and played Alabama A and M. Ironically, for homecoming, they went Montgomery earlier during the week, and then ultimately went stayed in the hotels in 
Huntsville or wherever they stay at when they go to Huntsville. So, uh, you know, all prayers to those in the Daytona area and all those affected by Hurricane Ian is, uh, you know, you live down that way. You, you were spared down where you live at, but pretty sure some of the communities around you were not as spared as you, you were. Yeah, definitely. I, I was spared, um, thankful. And like you said, if you've seen the video, there's the, the video, uh, viral videos. I think it came from Ben, ben, ben Crump's, uh, the lawyer, uh, well-known attorney. Uh, his, maybe his Instagram or I don't know if it was TikTok, Instagram. It was one, That's where the video I saw, but it showed some of the damage. And there's been some other videos, but uh, Bethune-Cookman was really hit hard by Hurricane Ian. Um, they are in Daytona Beach on the Atlantic. So this is as Ian had crossed through the state of Florida and before it went up the Atlantic and into the ocean. I guess that's where it's at now. I don't I don't know if it necessarily got into the Carolinas as they had expected, but they took a lot of damage. So uh, there are some uh, and I'll retweet it. I can retweet it if it's out there, but there are some relief things being put together to help Bethune-Cookman. And I would encourage, especially if you're in the state of Florida, if you are an HBCU fan, grad, anything that you can give to that fund to help. Uh, Bethune-Cookman is a private school. So that let's be clear about that. They don't get the same kind of funds from the state as Florida A&M does. Um, they are a private institution. So, uh, you know, there's there's some extra need and help. So any, uh, if I can find that, maybe we'll put that in the chat. Uh, I know uh, I saw Tamara T, uh, first one in. Hey, uh, Tamara. If, Tamara, if you have that link, I'd really appreciate it if you could put that link to that relief fund for Bethune-Cookman in the chat. Uh, you know, let people know where they can possibly. And look, we, we're Rattlers, but they are our, uh, they are our cousins in the state of Florida. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes there are little brothers and sisters, but, but they are family, uh, here in this state. And so we want, and they're SWAC family. So everyone in the SWAC ought to be trying to look out as well. We want to make sure we, uh, to look out as best as we can. Hey, um, Drew, we got a lot to talk about before we get into the action recapping week number five, uh, which we'll do here shortly. We'll also be debuting week number two of our BCSN top five. As you know, last week, I think the poll hit the markets with very little controversy. It was kind of what people thought. I mean, most of the polls or consensus polls agreed with our computer rankings. Um, So now we have week number two uh, that we'll be debuting. And we'll also get into doing some midterm grades for the non-division one teams because, look, Half their season is done. They usually, in the CIAA and the SIC, they essentially all play agreed upon 10 regular season games. The 11th is really reserved for the SIC or CIAA championship game. So most of those schools are halfway through. Uh, Drew, breaking news, breaking news. I have to interrupt, Drew. I have to interrupt the show to uh, give this special information. Florida A&M Volleyball, the defending SWAC champs, have rallied from an 0-2 deficit on the road at Alabama State to defeat the Bama State Hornets three sets to two. 
winning the fifth set by a score of 15-11, to 11, Drew. They were down 0-2, uh, 25-18, and 25-22 in the first two sets. Then the Lady Rattlers showed that championship medal and uh, beat Bama State 25-23 in the third, 25-20 in the fourth, and 15-11 to 11 in the fifth. Uh, y'all Bama's, or excuse me, Bama State, y'all thought y'all had us, huh? But uh, y'all can't <laughs> y'all take Bama's. down the Lady Rattlers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lady Ra- can't take down the lady rattlers like that. So I, I gotta, I had to break news for that, and then I believe they will travel over to Alabama A and M and take on the Bulldogs on Monday night. So uh, shout out to Coach Gokhan Gilmas and the Lady Rattlers. So I just had to get that. Well, I've got there. also also got breaking news. Uh, we did have a couple of Sunday games due to Hurricane Ian. Final just yes. in Kentucky. Kentucky State defeated Savannah State 28 to 13. And that's an upset. I would call that an upset. Yes. I would call that an upset. And earlier Given today, that, uh, finished. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I said maybe about an hour ago, Ever Waters got their first victory of the season in the game. Someone had to walk away with a W as they defeated Morehouse 49 20. In Jackson. All right. Congratulations. E dub. E dub got that dub. Uh the uh Tigers at home on a Sunday get a win for and they've been fighting, man. They've been fighting hard to get a win. So good to see them. Morehouse is still winless, man. That, that's a tough going right there for Coach Freeman. Um, but uh, as you said, Drew, somebody had to win, somebody had to lose. So uh that's a that's a good win. And Savannah State, yeah, that, that's a tough loss, man. Savannah State uh, I think it was two and one in the conference, and now Kentucky State gets their first win of the season. So uh, we'll we'll kind of get into some more. But I don't know if either of those games. Well, no, I'm I'm pretty sure none of those games will have an impact on the BCSN top five, which will de- uh, well, so, debut. Savannah State would have pulled off the victory. That would that may have best and change some people in the hunt or some other things everybody lost so you know what we had looked at earlier today is is accurate right right okay so let's get right into it with the uh the top games from the past weekend and the number one game without a doubt uh we, we're just gonna as our show is titled enter the dragons as the Lane College Dragons travel across the state from Jackson, Tennessee to Nashville, which I'm told is about maybe a couple of hours drive, maybe an hour and a half, something like that. I, I heard during the broadcast, and it's it's just under you know, two because I've, I've I've actually yeah, made that drive two. before. Yeah, okay, just under okay. two hours. Yeah, so so Lane goes out to – now, this game, this is the John Merrick Classic. This is actually TSU's first home game of the season, yeah? First home game of the season. It's on campus. Now, I know they have played this John Merrick Classic in Nissan, I want to say at least the last two or three seasons. Uh, they, the this is their first home great. game since November 2019. Wow. November 2019? Oh, you mean on yes. campus? Campus, yes. Well, no, on campus. And he'll say, now, nah, that's not, let me rephrase it. A first fall home game since November of well, 2019. Well, see, okay. 
know, they, 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 look, look, I'm going to say they, this they to play, you and everybody else. They play one game. The they play one game during the counts. pandemic. But they play the one spring, game during the pandemic. Look, that counts. Let's stop horsing up this whole spring versus fall. It, the season. It's during the 20, uh, what was it, the, the, the 2021 year, right? It was a 2021 academic year. Just because it was in the spring for the non-D1s, it was still that academic year. We, we seem to want to talk about this spring as if it was some you know, child of God that was placed on the side. No, this this thing happened. This was real. Okay, it happened. So <laughs> they they played game. Look, hell, Alabama A and M got a championship. They gave out rings. You know, an FCS champion man. was declared. Huh? What'd you say? Yes, I, I'm leaving you alone, man. <laughs> I know. I'm just I'm just messing here. Uh, but no, okay, so. Uh, thank you, thank you for the clarification. I could have just left it at that. I, I'm sorry, Drew. I just got a little you, Yes, you could sorry. have. Yes, you could have. <laughs> that's that's not the hey. one for us to argue about over the air. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, it's not. I just felt like arguing for a second. I'm getting getting warmed up here. All right, so anyway, back to Lane, <laughs> Lane Dragons, Lane College Dragons travel to Tennessee State. They had never beaten Tennessee State in the nine previous appearances of playing out nine, right? We're talking schools that have been around for like 50, 60 years. This is only the 10th time they've ever played each other. And sure enough, Lane gets a 28 to 27 win. A game that goes to overtime, Drew. And I got to give some credit to BJ Jones as I'm listening to uh, the the show this morning, Dr. Cavill's show in in the morning. Um, I got a chance to catch the rebroadcast. And props to B.J. Jones because he pointed out some very fluid things that I was – as I'm watching this game, right? Now, first off, Lane's defense at one point was leading 22-17. And their two scores had come on a pick six and a scoop and score. So the defense had 14 points. The offense really hadn't scored a touchdown for Lane. The defense, which Drew, we – We've said all season, Lane's defense is not to be trifled with. Lane has a legitimate defense, Lane College, right? But they got two uh, two scores, a couple of field goals. Uh, next minute, you know, they are in control of this. And I'm watching Tennessee State, Drew, and they are struggling on offense late in the fourth quarter. And I'm just thinking, there is no way in heck Tennessee State should win this game. Except for, as BJ pointed out, Lane's offense did everything they could to try to help Tennessee State win the ball game, including not milking, except not milking the clock late in the under two minutes. Tennessee State has like hardly one timeout left. Lane is on pretty much their final drive, and Lane is throwing the ball. And I'm just sitting there like, you got to be kidding me. Run the rock. They've got Ike Brown, who is, I mean, I don't I don't know if I have the stats up, but Ike Brown is legitimately, I mean, a legit running back for Lane. Just run the ball with Ike Brown. Let the clock tick, 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 and get out of Nashville with a dub. Instead, they're throwing the ball, as BJ pointed out, they're five wide. The ball goes incomplete, stops the clock. They literally ran like 30 seconds off the clock. Under two, it's like went from two, from like two minutes to like one twenty nine. I'm just sitting there like you have got to be kidding me. And then 
they punt, and then a punt goes like 15 yards, and you're just thinking, oh, my God, Lane is going to blow this. Lane is going to blow this. Um, they they manage uh, – and here's how crazy it is, Drew. To get the overtime, Tennessee State has to kick a 51-yard field goal to tie the game up. I, I mean, literally, 51-yarder, and you're just thinking, there's no way – Lane is going to win this in overtime. Tennessee State gets the ball first. They score pretty easily. They kick the PAT. It's 27 to 20. Then Lane gets the ball. Now, Lane actually scored. Look, nice scoring, right? And you're thinking, okay, what is Lane going to do? Lane kind of, there's not a quick motion to go for one or two. They think about it. They're going to go for two, Drew. They're going for two. Now, at that point in the ball game, what's your rule of thumb? If you're on the road, you like the decision to go for two or you think they yes. should have played for the OT? Not only the fact that they were on the road, but they were the underdog, the smaller school, however you want to coin it. Get out of there while you have a chance because that goes to a second or third overtime. Second overtime, first overtime, you can go for one. Second overtime, you must go for two. And then the third or subsequent overtime, you're alternating two-point possessions. If it gets to that point, because of the depth and the size of Tennessee State, Lane is at a disadvantage. So why you got them there on the ropes? Why not? Go for the victory. I love Definitely. That shout out to uh yeah, shout out to Coach Byron Brown on the decision to go for two. Um, a little bit controversial there at the end. And I not really, only because look. They, it was like a the whistle. You're, 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 the uh, whistle. <laughs> but you know, the whistle blew though, but there was actually a defensive penalty. There was a defensive penalty. They called it an inadvertent whistle, but did you notice, Drew? The ball went from the two to the one. So right. I don't understand. What how- happened was the flag should have been thrown, but it should not have been a dead ball penalty, is what that was. Ah. Okay. No, see, okay. what happens was it was a participation penalty they had i believe tennessee state had 12 men on the field at that point in time the rule of thumb is with 12 men on the field and especially when you have extra that extra man in the box the referee is supposed to blow the ball dead for safety reasons obviously because somebody that allows somebody to come through unaccounted for it so the referee went through normal protocol and blew the play dead Thing is, uh, Lane got the got the two point conversion out of it. So, I, him saying inadvertent whistle was an easy way not to go and explain that whole rule over the microphone. <laughs> Just call it inadvertent whistle, and let's play ball because you have live ball penalties and you have dead ball penalties, or should I say infractions, Brian? Ah, oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I know how I know how I know that how that um, inside, inside joke for all those out there watching us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, I, I wanna make sure I get some of these stats and numbers uh correct. So in overtime, well I, I did I mentioned in overtime the fact that Ike Brown ended up scoring the touchdown. Uh he ended up with a, a score net sixty three yards rushing um he also had four receptions 74 yards receiving so 
be looking out for, I mean, definitely SIAC Offensive Player of the Week. Yeah, you know, it might be Mr. Brown. Just saying. It, it, it could very well be. And um, the two-point conversion, so the play ends up going from two from the two to the one. It was a simple, I mean, a dive off left side, left guard, left tackle uh, in the B slot. And boom, what do you know? Uh, they win. And I mean, a huge win for Lane um, taking out uh, Tennessee State. Tennessee State drops at four, which nobody thought going. I mean, at the beginning of the year, Drew, look, TSU was rated as one of the top HBCU teams just by metrics and numbers, right? You saw the same numbers that I saw. Correct. So for them, for them to be 0-4 is a bit shocking, to say the least, given they've been competitive. They were competitive against Jackson. Well, I guess they were competitive look against who, Jackson Look who State. they played, though, Brian. They played three top, what, top 30 teams? They have. FCS? Yeah. yeah. So, he, just like everybody, we said it last week, everybody's 2-2 two and two is not the same. Everybody's 0-4 yes. is not the same. Now, this one, they earned this loss. Uh, yeah, yeah. They earned this loss. Those other, sure those did. other ones, you know, you you can give them a pass on those other ones. Yeah, I mean, you had a fump. Let's see. In terms of lane, they got a fumble recovery for a touchdown in the early parts of the first quarter uh, to take the first lead, and then late in the second quarter, just before halftime, they took the lead again on a fifty-seven yard pick six. So, I mean. There's two interceptions uh, right there that uh, Lane took advantage of. And, um, I mean, just everywhere you go, Lane, again, Lane took the lead. Let me see. How many Lane you had uh, in terms of lead changes? One, two, three, four. You had four lead changes in this ball game, and I guess you could say five if you include overtime. So, and out, I mean, look, this was a heck of a ball game. Uh, look, how do you? This was the. This was. I don't know if you say this is the biggest upset of the season in comparison to what Virginia Union did on the road to uh, Valdosta. How do you? Where do you rank this win by Lane versus that win by Virginia Union, Drew? Anytime you go up a level, it's it's a bigger upset. While that, while what Valdosta State and the Union game was same level, same amount of opportunities for scholarships. So, yeah, it was an upset on the Division Two level, but this was a bigger upset just because of the scholarship difference. Then yeah. you talk about private versus public, along with those scholarship difference, with Lane being a private institution, and Brian. This is probably when you look at some of the D2 versus FCS HBCU games. You know, you had a couple of years ago when Kentucky State was able to beat Jackson State. And I believe that was in Circle City Classic, if I have that correct. You, yep, yep. And, and then you have, uh, uh, I, I cannot remember the year, but that was the year, Brian. Let's not forget this one, where Tuskegee beat three. SWAC FCS opponents in the same year. I believe that was 2008 was that year when they beat Jackson State, Alabama A&M, and Alabama State all in the same year. 
Um, great point. Great point. Um, you know, this we shouldn't have been surprised by this because Lane should have beat UAPB. Started, right. Exactly. They lost forty-eight to forty-two to UAPB at the beginning of the season, who really has gone in a tailspin the last two weeks. Um, I'll just leave it at that. They are who we thought we they, thought they were. were. At least <laughs> yeah. as an FCS. At least as an FCS. Right. Correct. And then they lost 14 to nothing to Benedict, which might be Benedict's to date, might be the closest margin that anybody has been to Benedict. And who knows, Drew? That game, I mean, we're a long ways away. A lot has to happen in the next half of the season. But that might be a little SIC matchup that might determine – you know, um, you know who gets who gets home field in the SIC champ. I look, a lot has to happen, but no, that's well, who, automatically goes to the East champion. Okay, well then, okay. So, so, but anyway, just to point out that the two losses by Lane this year, you know, to to UAPB at the beginning of the year and to Benedict College, Benedict now sitting uh, unbeaten. 5-0. and oh, uh, We'll talk about them shortly. And then they ran off some wins against Clark and Edward Waters, beat Tennessee State on the road, and, and now you know, look, they, they get into the part of the schedule where they play the West teams, Kentucky State, Miles, and Tuskegee. And those three contests, two of those three are at home. Those are the teams that are going to have a say in uh, what potentially might happen in the SIC. Yes? Yes, yes, yes. And I believe that loss to Benedict Bryan, to put it in perspective, was a non conference game. So right now Lane Lane is undefeated in the West. And just based on schedules and the way the schedules uh looking as far as ease of schedules, it's gonna come down to Tuskegee and Lane, with Tuskegee having a slightly easier schedule in the SIAC than Lane does. All right. Um, well, hey, congratulations again to Coach Brown and the Lane College Dragons, and uh, a nice win for for those uh, for those guys. Hey, uh, we've got Charles Edmonds on the other side of this break, so let's take a moment to pause, take a break, come back, talk to Charles about some of the other top games from the weekend, and then uh, get into. Uh, Maybe a little conversation about what happened in the SWAT, as well as what's ahead for Alcorn coming out of thereby. You're watching the BCSM Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. This is the BCSM Pod Zone, your place for the news views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSM Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. 
Food is her love language, and she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Nope. Nope. Want him? Ooh, I like him. The quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker. And each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Don't worry, Ma, we'll be there soon. We? Is this the one? Well, let's say I found the one who takes me to another level. Always stays calm under pressure. Most importantly, the one that helps me discover the coolest places. This sounds wonderful. Come outside, I'll introduce you. You're here. Definitely the one. <laughs> Introducing the all-new Nissan Frontier. It's like a loot machine. You see Head and Shoulders has a scalp shield technology. Joined by our good friend Charles Edmond, Alcorn State Sports Radio Network. Charles, you had a bye week. Uh, you look refreshed. You're looking brand new. How are you feeling? How's it feel to have a bye week? Oh, it's great, man. It's, it's nothing like a bye week because you have a chance to at least step step back a little bit, get a, a mountaintop view of what's going on in the league. You know, when you're when you're doing these games and you're deep down in it, you're doing a deep dive with the teams in the conference. You're really in it. But then when you can come up for oxygen uh, with a bye week, uh, we have a chance to see what else is going on in the league, some stuff that you might have missed. So it was it was refreshing. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. The Braves won last week. My Rams won. Uh, they got a big Monday night game tomorrow night. We'll see what happens with that. Vicksburg high won. So all's good in the, in the Charles Edmonds sphere, but there's a long way to go. Everybody but your alma mater, Charles. Oh, uh, everybody but my alma mater and A.D. Drew, you got on the right jersey. I forgot about my Cardinals. Yeah, my, I'm a, I got to get to St. Louis at some point to see some postseason baseball. So all's good well, yeah. in the hood, as they say, with, with the exception of uh, you know what. Yeah, Ram, yeah I was going to. I was going to ramble in, ramble in. Don't forget this. Uh, uh, so, look, I, I hate to do this, Charles, since you got all that good going on. But as as a good broadcaster once told me, the story is never in the winning locker room. So let's go to the losing locker room. Uh, Grambling, State Fair Classic, lose. Uh, well, look, hey, look, Prairie View wins for the fifth consecutive year. Uh, no G on the helmet for the second week. What is the – we understand why Coach is doing it. What's the view as alums? What are you hearing? What are the alums and fan base? How are they taking to the uh, method of motivation that uh, Coach uh, Hugh is uh, using or implementing right now? I would say 85% don't like it. 
I think there's a faction of Grambling supporters that say, you know what, the coach can do whatever he feels like he needs to do to get his team ready. And if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. But the 85% of the fans, I feel like, don't like the move. And as, you know, if I can be a little personal here, I don't, I'm scratching my head as well. I mean, we all know coaches have motivations to get their team fired up and get them, get them going. I don't know if that was the right motivation. You know, and I, I hate to say this, but, you know, you just wonder the importance of it and what it really means. Um, I mean, if, if you're going to do that, have some context behind it. And I think Hugh Jackson did. But let's be honest, in today's student-athlete, if you ask 30 players on that Grambling roster, do they understand the significance of the G on that helmet? What does it mean? Has there been a class to kind of educate? Because I'm sure at some of these other schools, these bigger schools, these FBS schools, there is a little bit of educating when it comes to the symbols and the insignia and all that. I'm not so sure that that's the case at Grambling. I think Hugh Jackson is trying to find a way to fire his team up, get them to play better. And, uh, you know, that was probably more of the story last week than the game. And, you know, I don't know what's going to be the motivation this week because Grambling came out in the first half and just stunk it up. Had a touchdown taken off the board, too many penalties, too many self-inflicted wounds. They played better in the second half. You know, they actually had a shot going in the fourth quarter down a couple of scores. But – I just think personally, I just think uh, there's a lot of work needs to be done there. Um, And I don't know how Hugh Jackson rallies the troops. It's been a tough road. They've had all their games on the road. They got A&M coming up this week, and they got three in a row at home. If they play better, I think they can be a spoiler, actually, because we got to go there uh, at the end of this month, and that's not going to be easy playing in the hole. But Grambling's got to get better. They've got to avoid the self-inflicted penalties and mistakes. And they just have to get it together because right now there's a restless fan base out there. You know, and then you got the previous coach coaching five miles down the road in, in, in Ruston and Broderick Fobbs. That's still getting a lot of, you know, some discussion as well. Whether we want to accept that or not, that's just the reality. I've seen social media like, what, is, what did Broderick Fobbs do? That's coming up because of what Grambling is. That's coming up because of what Grambling is not doing right now. And if Broderick Fobbs were the coach, we'd be going through this. So, that's just the brutal reality of losing. That's the brutal reality of not being successful. It's the brutal reality of having a tough spring. And somehow, some way, Grambling, alma mater, the G, have to find a way to get it turned around. That motivation of taking the G off, that's something that I've seen done in, like, fall, uh, fall camp, spring ball. You know, it's one of them things like, hey, you know, you come in fresh. You know, you got to earn You got to earn this this insignia or, you know, and take pride in what it means and all that other stuff. Right. So to see that done, what, what you, after two or three games, that's what is head scratching. And, you know, I, it, it is, and it just opens you up to all kinds of stuff because now what's going to happen is you've opened yourself up where I get what he's trying to do. I understand, but, this this internet and social media thing can be cruel, and I, I've already seen <laughs> I've already seen the memes, and uh, I mean, look, Drew just <laughs> look, Drew said he said what he said. So I mean, it continues to be this source that, like you said, I just wonder who's gonna 
Does Hugh have look if this continues, who's gonna be the first to 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 sort of give? You know, is the team gonna have to get a win to get the G back? Is the alumni going to raise enough fuss, or does the president and AD say, okay, Hugh, we're going to trust in you and believe in you that what you're doing works? I'm just wondering who's going to give first. And, and all the while, like you said, Charles. I'm hoping they have it when they come home when, during their first home game. But I hope he lets them have the G back during their first home game. Well, you know, the way that we all know the way this stuff works. You know, President Gallo is going to let, you know, Dr. Travian Scott run his athletic program. Dr. Travian Scott's going to let his coach do what he feels like is in the best interest of his football program to get him going and get him ready. So, I mean, you, you would have heard something about it last week, but you hadn't heard anything right. last week. And you're probably not going to hear anything right. this week. Uh, so it's, you know, this is one of those, it, it generates a lot of buzz for people like me who's a Gremlinite myself and just trying to figure out, you know, the purpose and meaning of it. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, if, if they beat A&M this week, and that's not going to be easy now. You got the long bus ride to Huntsville. A&M just beat yes. Bethune last week. I had I had Bethune winning that game, but A&M got off the mat. Grambling fans are disgruntled. Players are frustrated. Hugh Jackson is frustrated. You know, the Grambling Tiger Nation is frustrated. If they don't win that, then they come home. Then there's a lot of pressure at home. And that's not what you want. You know, you want to come home free. You want to come home relaxed. I'm telling you, it's, it's being at home can be brutal for the visiting team, but when you're not playing well, being at home can be brutal for the home team. And that's what I thought was going to happen right. in Southern last night, but it turned out to be just the opposite. Southern came out and really got it done. But, you know, some tough times right now. I mean, it's just his first year, but, you know, just some, some things that just make you wonder, make you scratch your head. You hope it turns around. We'll see this week. Speaking and of that you're Southern on national game, TV. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry, hold on. But I was just going to mention, Drew, yeah. You're on national TV three straight weeks. HBCU Go has got you on three straight weeks. So the, uh, last week, then you're on a, you're traveling to Huntsville next week, and then the following week you got FAMU coming to town. So uh, Charlie Neal talking about the same thing three weeks in a row is not good. Uh, I'm just going to say that. Go <laughs> ahead, Drew. Tra- transition is Charles with the great transition over to Southern. Go ahead, Drew. I was going to say, speaking of uh, the Southern game, well, actually – Speaking of Southern's opponent, is UAPB who we thought they were when we saw them play this Saturday? Um, I, I haven't really dug into the numbers. Uh, I didn't get a chance to pull it up, but I was I, from what I read on social media, Skylar Perry either didn't play or was limited last night. And Skylar Perry is in there since twenty eight. He did not play. See, Skylar Perry did makes that play. team go. He is he's yeah. pretty good with his legs. And actually, they have a pretty good core of receivers, and Skylar Perry is pretty is pretty decent, pretty serviceable and respectable. So with him out of the lineup, that changed the whole thing for UAPB. Uh, so it's really kind of hard to say, but the only thing you can say is without him, they don't have much, and you saw that last night. But I do give Southern a lot of credit. You know, there's been a lot of darts thrown at Coach Dooley from the Jaguar Nation, you know, being shut out by Texas Southern for the first time in 50 years. You know, very disappointing. But, you know, like B.J. Jones said, you give Southern, you give Eric Dooley a bye week, and you get a chance to clean up some things and make the adjustments, then you see what happens. And that's exactly what Southern did. The defense had a pick six. Offensively, they were very efficient. That's the Southern team that I think a lot of people expected to see. 
We'll see this week, though, is one of the big games of the week as they play Parade View on the road. That's going to be a good one. And we'll see, you know, all the lessons learned from Texas Southern and UAPB because whoever loses that game is behind the eight ball big time. So that's one of the two, I think, big games of the week coming up. Speaking hey, of Drew, not having Charles, a go ahead. Well, I was just going to point out, the guy who, other than Coach Dooley, who took a lot of heat two weeks ago, uh, Bashawn McCrary, right? Or McCray. Bashawn McCray. I mean, all I heard was, oh, he can't throw. He's not this. He's not that. <laughs> That's all I heard after the last game, right? What does he do? 14 of 18, 241 yards, four touchdowns. Then he runs eight times, net 79, and another touchdown. So five touchdowns that he was – I mean, look, he came out and answered the bell. So I don't know who might be offensive player of the week, but if he's not a candidate, I look, somebody's missing. Somebody's not paying attention, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, you know, for me, and one of the reasons why I, I kind of had UAPB, you had a battle of a veteran quarterback in Perry's who's been at Pine Bluff since 2018 versus, you know, McRae, who's a JUCO from Hines Community College in Mississippi, and just that transition to the next level, the speed of the game. I mean, yeah, Florida Memorial, yeah, LSU, yeah, Texas Southern, but I, I just felt like still a work in progress. But, you know, after last night, you know, maybe he's coming along a lot better, a lot faster than we think. So, I mean, that was a surprise that what he counted for, what, five touchdowns last night? I mean, that's that's what Eric Dooley's quarterback does. If you go back to Kincaid, if you if you go back to Jalen Morton and you go to pass, I mean, that's what they do. So, you know, good, kudos to Duke Coach Dooley for making the adjustments. Kudos to McRae. But, again, it's still early in the process, still early in the season. We'll see what happens when you're taking on that preview defense there on the road there at Panther Stadium, I believe. And that's going to be a tough place to play. It's going to be a great environment. And uh, we'll – We'll see. I think that'll be a, an interesting matchup there to see what the youngster does in a very tough environment. Go ahead. Go ahead, Drew. I know you wanted to get in another question or point in there with Charles. Uh, Valley. Let's, let's talk about Dancy and Valley. Uh, and Charles, is it too early to look at coaches that may – be on the hot seat? And would Dancy be one of those coaches that may be considered for the hot seat in the swag? Well, you know, it's never too early. You, how many coaches have been fired already in college football? Quite a few. It's, it's never Three on early. the uh, FBS level. Yeah, it's never too early. The pressure, the money, the boosters, all of that. Um, and Mississippi Valley is in a situation where they have a new athletic director. Uh, he's looking to infuse his own theme, his own people. And it's just the unfortunate political part of athletics and coaching. Typically, when you have a new AD, typically he wants his own people. That's just kind of the way it works. Paul Bryan is a new AD at Alabama A&M. Even though Maynard's won a championship in the spring, a lot of people feel like it doesn't count for much. But to me, I think it counts for everything <laughs> because he won a championship. We can have that debate. Fine. But I think for for you know, I think Coach Dancy is a really good guy. You know, Coach Sanders visited Valley. Uh, during the during the offseason just to kind of see what, what he's up to and what he's got. Um, I think it's a tough situation. I thought Valley would be the spoiler. I thought Valley would have more than three wins. 
It's been tough. You know, they've gotten off a decent starts in games, Florida A&M, Jackson State, um, but it has not worked out. And when you have a new AD there, you're changing the culture. You're changing the attitude. This is one that I think Valley has to play better. I do think the Braves are going to win the game because I think they're just going to ground and pound and, and run the football with Howard and company. But if Valley lays another egg, I think there's going to be a lot of question marks because the schedule doesn't get any easier. You've already played Jackson. You've already played Alcorn. You know, you still got Bama State, A&M, and all that. I mean, you've gone through Florida A&M already. But, you know, the schedule is very unforgiving in this conference, when you, especially when you're struggling. And so I think for this game, you're at home. You know, Valley had us on the ropes last year. It was, what, 19 to 12 with 10 minutes left in the game, and they're in position to maybe grab the lead or tie the game, and they get a penalty. They settle for a field goal. We get a late score and, and pull away. But it wasn't easy there last year. I don't think it'll be easy this year despite Valley's record. But to answer your question, I do think that there's a little bit of heat because I think Valley fans and even Charles Edmond expected more at this point. And if they don't get this one, then I think it's going to be really tough, you know, going forward. Well, but but Charles, they, they've got this week, they've got you guys, they're traveling. Then they host Alabama State. And I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. I mean, they're in a similar position like with Grambling, where potentially you may not get that win for about another three weeks. And then what's that going to look like? I mean, as bad as we're talking about here on the second day of October, when you get into the like the 20-something of October and you still haven't got a win, I, I'm like, man, look, I that's tough. That's That's a tough spot to be in for any coaching program. And I'll, I'll tell you after watching Valley, I mean, Caleb Johnson is I mean, at this point, he is what he is. I mean, he is a legitimate back, but there's nothing else there. And I don't know if it, you have to look, I feel like the best thing I saw Alabama A&M do when they played Florida A&M is they ran sort of a pistol, uh, a pistol read option kind of thing. And it kind of had Florida A&M off their, on their heels a little bit. They used that quarterback Langford real well. They've got weapons. We know that. They've got a good running back, a couple of good receivers. And they utilized them with, you know, with the read option. And you had a quarterback who could run. I feel like Valley has to really go back. I, I think for a school like Valley, Valley has to be unconventional. Like the way we saw Kentucky State, for example, coming to the SIC in Savannah State, where they came in with a different style of offense. I just don't know if Valley can be your your basic eye formation or spread four out. You, you got to be more unconventional because it's going to wear. You may catch somebody in the beginning like they did Jackson State. They caught, a, they caught FAMU on a, on a busted play, but after that, they never had a chance. They never had a chance. I mean, and, and FAMU was gifting them possessions. They're like, hey, here, go ahead. Here, have a possession because we're not going to do anything with this. And they still couldn't take advantage of it. Yeah. I, don't know. I, I mean, I, I I agree with that. I think, you know, for me and watching Valley for the last several years, their biggest issue has been a healthy and productive and serviceable quarterback. They've had the running game. You talk about Caleb Johnson. I mean, he is one of those guys, if they just keep feeding him, and they've got a pretty decent running attack, 
They want to slow the game down. They want to take time off the clock and limit your possessions. That's what they do. You crowd the box. You know, you hope that, you know, Jones can put it over the top and do little check downs and pick up extra yardage. That's what Valley is not anything fancy. They just want to ground and pound and just wear you down and eventually wear you out. And, and they wore us down a little bit in the, in the running game last year. And I think they're going to try to do that again. But it's a different situation. You talked about Grambling. You got Hugh Jackson in his first year. He's not going anywhere. I mean, I know there's a lot of heat, the whole G on the helmet and all that, but he's not going anywhere right now. But you talk about Coach Dancy. He won three games last year. A lot of people felt like that was going to be the end of the line. The administration gave him another opportunity. Now you have a new AD, and it's just those combinations typically lead to something else happening unless you win more games. Valley hasn't won a game. And it's just, you know, I, I've dealt with several athletic directors here at Allport. It's just the athletic landscape across the country. It's just typically the way it works. The president going to hire his own AD, going to hire his own football coach. And unless you're Dabo, Nick Saban, or Brian Kelly, or one of those other, you know, your coaches are on notice. So I think, you know, more than three wins has to happen with this new athletic director who worked under Ashley Robinson. Um, you know, in previous places, especially at Jackson State. So he's looking to make his own mark, get his own people, get his own football coach. Not saying it's going to happen, but you just have to understand the dynamics of what's involved with that. You know, Val, I mean, Coach Dance is a great guy. There's no doubt about it. You talked to him at media day, I did. But we know this is a results-oriented business right now. So late, Hopefully not this week, though, as the Braves roll in there. But uh, I think clearly some things have, some things have to happen in order for things to remain the same there at Valley. One more, one more game from this past weekend in the swag. Bama State finally gets a road win, finally gets a conference win. Texas Southern coming off of the big win, and then, yeah, they went to UTSA and played well. Two teams, Charles, that I have no idea who they – it's like two teams that are still trying to find their identity. I, I, that's about as as well as I can put it. I mean, still – any any <laughs> from what you could take away from that game, Alabama State wins 16-13. to 13. Uh, do, do either of these teams – look, I don't, it's going to be real hard to win. The, put it like this. Let me go to this. How tough is this homecoming game against Jackson State going to be for Alabama State? I think this may be pretty bad, like on the levels of what happened to Alabama A&M last year. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of energy early, you know, from Bama State. Um, it's their homecoming game. I saw the the ticket chart that was posted on social media. Most of the lower level seats on both sides have been sold already. Only thing left as of the other day was upper deck. It seats 26,000. Is there going to be 26,000 there? There's probably going to be 40,000 around the stadium. It's going to be a great scene over there. Uh, and, and look, Alabama State's been kind of a surprise. I had Texas Southern winning the game yesterday, by the way, and they had a lead, and they let slip away. Uh, and, and so, you know, I think body is coming. I think these are just the growing pains. You, you take a step forward, you beat Southern. You knew against Texas San Antonio that was going to be tough. But they took a step. They took a couple of steps back yesterday with a young quarterback. So I, I think – what Alabama State has to do is start fast and keep going fast. They cannot take their foot off the gas at all because 
Shadur Sanders, you know, people talking about him in this Heisman race, that offense, it's electric. And their defense is really good. And their special teams are really good. So for, for Jackson State or for Alabama State, they're at home. It's their homecoming. It's going to be one of the largest crowds I think they've ever had there at Hornet Stadium. They got to come out from the door ready to go because Jackson State's been there, done that. They've been experienced. They've been pressed against the wall. You know, games last year that they, you thought they were going to lose, they found a way to win. You know, Tennessee State this year, they found a way. Um, you know, Grambling, they kind of stumbled through in the first half. They dominated in the second half. So for Alabama State, this is this is what it's all about right here. You're at home. It's homecoming. You won a big game on the road last week. you got to carry that over because Alabama State, to me, has been a surprise team of sorts. You won the MEAC SWAC Challenge, you know, and you beat Texas Southern. So let, let's see now. The first-year coach still trying to figure it out. Let's see if they can take that step forward against Jackson State. All right, um, Charles. Before we uh, before we let you go and get out of here, uh, look this up. I think this is the best weekend on the SWAC schedule to date. Coming up, I mean, by not and it's not even everybody in the SWAC playing each other. I mean, because you got a couple of SWAC schools playing other HBCUs. You got FAM traveling to South Carolina State. Uh, I'm gonna call that the battle for last year's. HBCU National Championship. That's what I'm going to call that <laughs> matchup. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, you got Bethune-Cookman uh, and Tennessee State, you know, and but then you've got the return of uh, Dooley to Southern. You've got, you know, Jackson State bitter about being somebody's homecoming opponent. Uh, you've got Texas Southern traveling to UAPB needing to win. Uh, Grambling, Alabama, and, it, and then of course, Alcorn, Mississippi Valley State. I mean that that has history and rivalry. Uh, give us something about what Alcorn has been maybe doing over the bye week, or what is Alcorn poised to be where I predicted them to be, Charles, which is in the SWAC championship game. That's where I predicted them to be. Unlike uh, at least I'm gonna get hopefully one of my picks right. I'm still holding on to that other one. But uh, tell us about Alcorn this uh, upcoming week going into this contest. Well, the one thing that, that we've got to get is healthy. You know, we, we, we were banged up on the defensive side of the ball. One of our best guys on the back end, Cher Luce, was out uh, against UAPB. He'll be ready to go. Uh, we had a couple of other. We've got like four or five guys on the defensive side of the ball that we that they're not healthy going into that UAPB game that will be healthy going into the Valley game. So this bye week actually came at at the right time. Look, I mean the games are playing out in front of your very eyes right now. I mean just look there are four teams that are still alive to me. Of course the Braves, Southern University, all right? That's that's two teams. Prairie View obviously, and I think Texas Southern still has one foot in the door. Um, you know, that loss to Bama State, it's a conference loss, but they only have one division loss, and that was to Prairie View. So they, they still have a shot on paper that you can kind of figure things out. So there are four teams that, that I think still can win that West. And But, you know, look, uh, as far as the Western Division is concerned, you know, this, this Valley game can be a trap game. And somebody was telling me not too long ago, you know, at some point the law of averages catches up with you. We've had our way with Valley, and at some point – you know, we, we stumble and we lose. I don't think that'll be the case. 
I think Valley will come out with a lot of energy early, but if we, you know, get up 17, 24, 27 to nothing, I think it'll be lights out. So I think that's that's the one, yeah, that's the one big story, um, you know, as far as the Braves are concerned. But I, I really, I think that Jackson State, uh, Alabama State game is more intriguing to me because I think the last time Jackson went to Bama State, they lost. And uh, that was the old, you know, bring my shoe back game. Yeah, even though that's a whole other administration, uh, that's a whole other, that's a whole other administration. But still, I guarantee that's that spring that's season that we're talking about, Brian. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, he hadn't forgotten that. Like, Jacksonians haven't forgotten. Uh, Bama State fans hadn't forgotten. I guarantee you. So uh, that game to me is more interest because I think that we're going to see Eddie Robinson Jr.'s team early. You know, are they going to be one of those teams that's going to be in the top tier in the East, along with Jackson and FAMU? Can Bama State be that team? You know, I thought it would be Valley. Hasn't happened. This is a chance for, for Bama State to move up, you know, to near the middle part of that crust in the Eastern Division. So that's the game to me that I'm really looking forward to because it's going to be a wild scene. Over there. I would love to just be at Hornet Stadium with a drone and fly over and see that, that crowd over there. It's going to be great. So that, that game to me is of a lot of interest. It, but it is going to be a great scene you know, all over the league because there's so many games teams are still alive jackson as well as they're playing they can't they can't afford to look back i mean because bamu's still right there they bounce back nicely if jackson loses saturday it opens the door for bamu it opens the door for bama state and so then really the race is on so I, this is going these next two or three weeks are going to really tell a whole lot about a lot of teams in this league the earth may turn on its axis if that happens. Get this from the weight from this from the weight Don't of Jackson that. State fans if that happens. You know what I'm saying? Good lord. Uh all right. Hey, uh Charles, are you doing a you you doing a show with uh Coach McNair coming up uh this this week? Yes, yes. We always uh you know, we typically don't skip even during bye weeks because there is a there's a lot to talk about you know we lost uh, one of our players Tyler Smith his mother and sister were killed in a car accident after last Saturday's yeah. game and so we want to yeah. get an update uh, on where things are with arrangements so there are things to talk about you know obviously continuing to look at the roster and getting guys healthy kind of look at the games in the league and you know people always like to talk about recruiting you know for 2023 you know, it's never too early. People always talk about that. And so that's an opportunity because yeah. that's the only bye week we have. So the opportunity to catch up on that, kind of transition, talk about the scores, and then talk about Mississippi Valley. So, you know, it'll be an interesting uh, interesting show. And uh, there's always a lot to talk about with Coach McNair. I love talking to him because he's going to let you know what's on his mind. You know, last week was tough because, you know, Tyler Smith's mother was, you know, was killed right after the game last week. And so he came in on Monday. He, he didn't look right. And, of course, you understood why. Just trying to deal with all of that. So a week later, we'll see where he is and we'll see what the team is. And really looking forward to uh, just seeing where, where everything is right now and getting ready for Valley. It's going to be a fun trip up to the Delta. I always love it. And, you know, I'm a big food person, guys. There's an all-you-can-eat catfish place called Larry's Fish House. And I called them last night to see if they keep it open for us on Saturday night because the game's at 6 o'clock. We normally play at 2 or 4. So I'm kind of looking, I'm hoping that they keep it open for us. So you always want to get some good food when you're doing these type of things. 
Yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's good food. Good food. Uh, I, 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 one day will make my trip to the Delta and I will have to, I will have to, uh, visit that place. I have heard of it. So, uh, that, that's on the, that's on the trip. Maybe next year when, uh, FAMU travels to Mississippi Valley State, I'll have to, uh, make my way out there. Uh, Check you can out. listen to, you can listen to Charles and, uh, Brave Talk with Charles Edmond on the BCSN Pod Zone. The Coach McNair Show, if you happen to miss it live uh, Monday night, we usually put it on our podcast stream by Tuesday. Tuesday, maybe Wednesday at the latest. So you can always catch it. You can hear what's going on from uh, the Alcorn State perspective. For those of you who are not familiar with uh, Charles Edmond, uh, he is, of course, the voice of Alcorn State Sports Radio. So let's be uh, clear on that. Hey, Charles, thanks for your time this evening. Um, <coughs> good luck to your Cardinals and Rams. Uh, your Rams is, uh, what, Monday night, right? Sunday night or Monday night? That's when you guys – Tomorrow night. Yeah, so tomorrow night. Well, well, Brian, good luck me, to you guys. Let me ask you this. How, how are you doing down there in Florida? I have a cousin that lives in Tampa. Um, and he, he chose not to evacuate. I think Tampa kind of dodged everything. How, how are you doing down there? I know Bethune-Cookman's campus took a hit. You know, thoughts and prayers are with folks down there. How, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm personally doing well. Uh, we, we avoided the major damage. Uh, my lights and everything stayed on, and fortunately, I'm, I'm on the better half of things. So very fortunate this time around. Wasn't so fortunate on the, the past few hurricanes that I stuck around for. But uh, uh, thankful and blessed that this one was the easier side of things. But but definitely from colleagues and coworkers, and then like I said, there's other Floridians going through much worse. So uh, we're we're all just we're all hoping that the assistance they need gets to them and quickly. So that's uh, that's where we're at. So, um, but yeah, thank you, Charles. Thank you, thank you. Uh, all right, man. Hey, we'll uh, we'll be in touch later on during the week. We'll look for that broadcast and we'll have that up. BCSN Pod Zone. That is everywhere you listen and download the podcast. And um, you know, make sure if you guys uh, you know just stay stay alert of what's going on at Tall Man Radio is where you can find Charles on Twitter for those of you who are interested in following along a SWAC veteran, one of the best in the SWAC and one of the best in uh, sports broadcasting. He's so humble. Hey, Charles, thanks again for your time tonight, all right? Appreciate it. You all be safe. All right, you too. Hey, uh, when we come back in just a moment after this break, we're going to transition over to talking a little baseball with uh, – the uh, HBCU Baseball Classic that's happening in Pittsburgh's PNC Park in just another week. So stay tuned, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, and then we'll get back to a little football a little bit later in the show. So you're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield. Never not working.
It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Q-Time is a classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. Meet Jessica Moore. Jessica was born to care. She always had your back. Like the time she spotted the neighbor kid, an approaching car, a puddle, and knew there was going to be a situation. That's my best friend. She don't need no Miss Hogan's class? Yeah. It's Atlantis. Nice. I don't think they had camels in Atlantis. Really? Today, she's a teammate at Truist, the bank that starts with care. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way. You consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Don't worry, Ma, we'll be there soon. We? Is this the one? Well, let's say I found the one who takes me to another level. Always stays calm under pressure. Most importantly, the one that helps me discover the coolest places. This sounds wonderful. Come outside, I'll introduce you. They're here. Definitely the one. <laughs> Introducing the all-new Nissan Frontier. It's like a loot machine.
You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield, never not working. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. Meet Jessica Moore. Jessica was born to care. She always had your back. Like the time she spotted the neighbor kid, an approaching car, a puddle, and knew there was going to be a situation. That's my best friend. She don't need no Selden's class? Yeah. It's Atlantis. Nice. I don't think they had camels in Atlantis. Really? Today, she's a teammate at Truist, the bank that starts with care. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Hear the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way. You consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times... ...CU Baseball Classic at Pittsburgh's PNC Park. Uh, joining us right now, we've got Coach Terrence Whittle, who's uh, Stillman College's Head baseball coach, athletic director, Coach Whittle. How you doing? Pleasure to have you on. 
Man, I'm doing super, man. Thank you guys for having us on. Yeah, and uh, we've also got Coach Kendrick Biggs of uh, Wiley College, uh, head baseball coach. Coach Biggs, how are you doing? I'm doing uh, I'm glad you have me on. Yep. And we've also got uh, Coach Roderick Sherman, as we try to get, get Coach Sherman's uh, video and audio figured out here. Um, he's one of the assistant coaches at Wiley College. Uh, coach Sherman, how, how are you doing? You have to, coach, you're going to have to, Coach Sherman, you might have to mute us in the background if you're listening to us again. Thank you. I'm doing well. All right. All right, all right. We'll get you. We'll get you turned around up in the right way, so that way we we'll see. Go ahead, flip. Go ahead, get the flipping phone over. All right, there we go. All right, we got everybody. All right, just your background, coach. Pardon me. You uh, mute the uh, mute what you got on that background. What you get feedback. Uh, I don't have a mute button on here. It doesn't say. No, it's uh, coming through. I don't know if you watching this on YouTube. That's that's better. That was better, that's Coach. Better. Yeah, that was better. Whatever, whatever, whatever you did was better. All right. So just to let people know what's going on on Monday, October tenth, six thirty Eastern time, uh, the Pittsburgh HBCU Collaborative um, uh, will be actually help put together this uh, baseball classic at PNC Park. Uh, between Stillman College and Wiley College. Let me start with you, Coach Whittle. Give us a little bit of background because this has sort of been in the works for over a year or so. How did this How did this come together? And, and I mean, for, for two schools that are miles away from Pittsburgh, why <laughs> Pittsburgh? Uh, th- thank you guys again for having us. Um, for, for us, you know, this, this came, came about – as a result of the networking relationships that our president, Dr. Cynthia Warwick, uh, has with uh, the Pirates and, of course, um, throughout her networking and relationships with them and uh, being a part of recruitment. Obviously, that's that's on the forefront of, of our president on a daily basis. And, you know, she's had some opportunities to visit that area speak with them, speak with this collaborative, the HBCU Steel City Classic, which was a recruitment opportunity in the past. And as a result of her network with them, came about the idea of, of this baseball game. And of course, um, you know, she, uh, she, she put us, <laughs> she, uh, it's a good thing, but she, she put us in a, in a, in a picture to not only uh, be able to recruit, we're going to have some folks with our admissions office and other areas on campus also visiting the, the uh, collaborative and the recruitment that's going on throughout the course of the week. Um, but kind of put us in, 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 in the spotlight a little bit to shine light on what we're doing uh, from an enrollment perspective, from a recruitment perspective, the opportunities available at Stillman college, and of course what we're doing with our baseball program. So um, those talks over a year ago are now culminating with what we have coming up on October the uh, 10th.
than Wiley College, which is in Marshall, Texas. Uh, so, Coach Biggs, talk a little bit about the opportunity to take your guys from Texas to all the way up to the Northeast. And, and you have you have a little bit of further travel than uh, Coach Whittle's uh, team. So, talk a little bit about the experience and, and how uh, Wiley and, and how this opportunity came to uh, you and Wiley. Uh, yes, once again, you know, just thank you for having us on. Uh, <clears throat> my president, uh, uh, he came to us um, with this game, and uh, me and Coach Whittlewit talked about it, and uh, I just think it's a win-win for both schools. Um, it's a big recruiting tool along with um, – uh, having our guys, uh, a lot of guys on our team, never getting to experience anything like this. Uh, this will be the first time that uh, some of our guys uh, get to fly or have flown before uh, because it's a long trip for us. Uh, we've been working hard on transportation, but um, we will be flying in and um, looking forward to a great time enjoying the city. Uh, Hopefully we'll be able to put on a, a good game for you all uh, along with, uh, you know, getting awareness to uh, both schools about uh, recruiting, about, you know, wanting to join HBCU and, you know, and just the different things we have to offer. Drew, okay, go ahead. Uh, uh, sorry about that. I was trying to uh, – well, I had Coach up on the screen trying to work on the graphic uh, there with uh, with Sherman. Uh, since he's got his phone turned sideways, I was trying to turn uh, turn him back so he's the right direction there. So, uh, <laughs> so, so Coach Sherman, be, being an assistant coach here with an event like this – how, how important is this for something like you to your growth and development as a baseball? Oh, it's, it's tantamount. This is my first opportunity uh, to be involved with an event of this level, and I think that it's going to uh, carry a lot of weight as far as recruitment goes for my 2023 and 2024 class that, uh, coming in. To be able to say that we played at PNC Park in a professional uh, environment and against another HBCU, it kind of speaks to how the movement of bringing awareness to minorities in baseball is on the upswing. That's one of my biggest concerns is uh, we as people of color, our kids don't play baseball. The Gulf Coast Athletic Conference uh, this upcoming year. Uh, talk a little bit about the shift uh, in, in conferences for your program and, and, and what that, how that impacts your program this upcoming spring season. Okay. Uh, yes, we have moved into the Gulf Coast Conference. Um, I think it's going to be a great uh, deal for us uh, being able to be a part of it of the um, other colleges that, uh, that are already in there. Um, 
you know, our, our biggest thing, the biggest thing that I saw is, you know, we'll be to, you know, continue to play good, good baseball against good teams. Uh, I think the only big thing for us now is, was a um, – I don't think anybody in our conference now is within three and a half hours. So it, it puts a little travel on us now. Uh, but, you know, uh, getting to play, you know, Tougaloo, Russ, College, Dillard, you know, those guys on a race. base, um, I think that will do a one-hour school program. Um, and I, I just think we'll be able to compete at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that I found interesting in this is that both schools actually have some professional tie-ins to not only Major League Baseball, but also the city of uh, Pittsburgh. Um, as you know, I'm, as I'm reading, you know, and I was reading through the press release, uh, you know, Stillman uh, alum uh, Bernard Stratton was actually drafted by the Pirates back in 82. I, I, I think that was 82 was definitely after – I don't know if the we are family thing was still going on in Pittsburgh at that time. Um, but I, I do remember that. I, that was, that was, I'm dating myself, but I was like right around the age when I was starting to pay attention to baseball. 82 is when these guys, unfortunately, I do know that. I do know that. <laughs> Thank you. But I, but I, yeah, unfortunately. And, and then uh, what well, Wiley has an alum, that uh, actually was a major league. Had his, Al Jackson made his debut back in '59. I definitely don't remember that, um, but uh, <laughs> he played a couple of seasons <laughs> with the Mets. What? How do you, Coach Widow, yeah. and for Coach Biggs? How do you, how do you guys draw the parallel or draw the draw your guys into the history of baseball? I don't know if these alums or whether it be other alums who have had the opportunity whether you've had a chance to introduce them uh, to your guys, but, but talk a little bit about drawing that connection to your heritage and history with, with your team. Uh, start with you, coach Whittle, yeah. and then go to you, coach Biggs. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned the, the, the alum that was drafted by uh, the Pirates in 82. Uh, we, we we're fortunate enough. And of course I have a really, really good relationship with some of his teammates. And uh, that uh, are held out of the uh, Memphis, Tennessee area. Um, so Stillman has a strong baseball alumni group. Uh, we've had op- opportunities for them to come down and and interact with our players, to be able to talk with our players, to be able to share some of the history of Stillman College baseball, and 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 so that makes uh, it personable. And, and it makes our players uh, compete with that revelry in mind that there's a long history of baseball having been played at, at Stillman College. And so I think from time to time, it's important for me as, as a head coach uh, to keep that connect, connectivity going uh, with our alums who are actively involved, not just supporting our program financially, but supporting our program with their presence. Uh, supporting our program when we're in their areas uh, that they come out and 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 they 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 speak with our players and interact with them and so uh, they've had some opportunity to share their history 
of of what that's like. We just recently had um, a graduate of our of our uh, program this 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 May. His dad was a part of that eighty two group uh, that you mentioned, where this young this where this alumni was drafted by the Pirates, and so there's always talk about uh, that connectivity. Uh, with Stillman College and the years that those alums uh, played. So for us, it's important that we keep our players connected uh, to the various alums, whether they play professionally or not, but to keep that connectivity reach across the various regions of the country. So when our players graduate, uh, they're able to reach out uh, to those alums, relationships in those areas where they're going to start their careers and where they could potentially start their professional careers in baseball. How about you, Coach Biggs? You know, for for Wiley, you know, I always go back to everything being a family. We we really try to tie everything in, um, making everybody from long ago to now that, you know, this is a part of the baseball family. We do things together and so on. So we've had several guys that have come in over the years and spoken to the guys, uh, former players. Uh, we actually have a former player that's going to come in in about three weeks and uh, talk to our guys, uh, just keeping the uh, connection between, you know, present uh, versus past. Uh, uh, we also have a, uh, a board of trustee uh, that lives in Marshall that played baseball at Wiley. And uh, he he's at our games a lot, and he often talks to the guys, and he'll see them out running and stop and talk to them. So, uh, I mean, we, we make a, uh, a big effort to uh, include our alum in the things we do. We've, you know, reached out to several with this game um, just for support or to let them know that we're playing and uh, – you know, overall, we've had a, you know, just a really good response with um, our alumni and the, the love they have for baseball in Wiley. All right. A couple of questions I got before we get out of here, coaches. Uh, well, actually, this one is specific for you, uh, Coach Whittle. Uh, earlier this year, I believe you guys signed with the uh, HBCU League Pass Plus, and we know everything that's been revolving around all the different media rights that's been going on, HBCU Go, ESPN, local uh, local media rights and, uh, and media deals. So for, for your institution, what is sided with an HBCU League Pass Plus? Because I know they uh, have the logo on your basketball court now. But what does that mean for smaller institutions like yours? And let me, let me phrase this for everybody. Coach Will also serves as the athletic director at Steelman. That's why uh, he can, he can kind of talk on this matter. Just wanted to get that out there yeah. for everybody. Not just throwing it out there. <laughs> you know, for, for smaller schools, you know, like Steelman college, you know, Wiley college and, you know, all those schools in GCAC or, or even other division two schools, you know, in the SIAC, um, you know, to, to be able to have a partnership, a media rights partnership with a group uh, like League Pass, um, it, it does a couple of things. No, number one, it expands opportunities for um, uh, revenue streaming. 
on the various platforms. Um, of course, we're all concerned about being able to bring in income for our program. So that's a that's a means to be creative in terms of trying to provide um, uh, revenue streams for the athletic department. Um, and then two, it also gives smaller schools an opportunity uh, to expand their athletics brand um, beyond their local communities, um, beyond their beyond the state which they're in. Uh, there are some people because we now have a relationship with HBCU League Pass uh, that may not have ever heard about Stillman College, and, and so now with this uh, this this greater uh, platform of exposure. Um, they know about Stillman College. They know where Stillman College is. And we've had some conversations with some some uh, some some partners, people that have partnered with us for for various projects we want to do. And uh, they've been introduced to Stillman College through our association with with League Pass. And so that only expands the athletics brand, but also the brand of the institution, you know, because League Pass also serves as a way for us to stream other areas and promote other areas on campus such as our band, our choir, student life, um, and, and then the college's overall brand. And so we're very, we're very appreciative of that partnership. We're grateful for that partnership. And for as long as they will partner with us, we want to continue to, to work towards expanding the, uh, the, the brand of Stillman College Athletics and the institution as a whole. So this, this has been, a, a, I think, for us, a, um, a win when it comes to promoting what we want to do as far as recruiting, uh, students uh, and re-engaging alums. We've had a lot of alums that have been re-engaged uh, by our partnership with uh, with League Pass. All right. And, and my last question before we get out of here, Ed, and any one of you all can answer this, you know, starting the baseball season off, quote, unquote, early, a lot of people don't realize y'all already playing fall ball anyway. You know, only people who, who within uh, athletics realize you guys play fall ball. But I want to talk about what are the goals that all of y'all, I hope all of y'all have in the spring outside of your conference championship, and that being the Black College World Series. So if if one of you all could uh, kind of chime in on what does it mean to have something like a Black College World Series to, to play for at the end of the season, and what is it going to take for you, your teams to get there? Anyone I'll let Coach Bates go first. <laughs> um, for uh, for for Wiley, um, you know, play, having a chance to play uh, in the Black College Nine World Series would be great for us. Uh, it's a um, a big measuring stick, um, you know. Of course, um, us now being in the conference with Russ College, and you know them going last year, the success they have, the you know, the publicity that it has brought to, you know, uh, his program, uh, you know, it's, it can, it's a definitely a, another um, recruiting tool, you know, for us to get there, you know, we're, we're going to have to, you know, play all aspects of the game. Well, you know, being pitching offense and defense, uh, you know, last year, you know, we had two seniors, a junior, I mean, two seniors, a sophomore, and 50 freshmen. So, you know, no it was kind of a rebuilding year, uh, rebuilding year for us. Uh, but we've got a lot of 
young guys now that have gotten a lot of, you know, time under their belt. And uh, we're expecting uh, good things this year, uh, putting all parts of the puzzle together. So, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping at the end of the year we're one of those schools that's getting the chance to head up there and play in it. Yeah, and Coach Whittle. Well, everybody wants to be the last man standing. What it would take for us to to participate in this grand event is we got to beat some people and win some win some baseball games. And so uh, I just got to cut it cut to the chase. And you know, I, I think for you know for for us and, and and for other HBCUs, it's it's something it's something to aspire to do. Um, those that know me. Um, know that I'm really excited about uh, that particular event. You know, that's something that I and others have talked about um, for a long, long time, you know. Uh, and so for to see this come to fruition and, and, and the momentum that it's gaining, the growth that it's gaining, I can't be more pleased that we have another platform to showcase uh, our players to give our players an opportunity to continue to play in this game and 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 to give them a, a bigger platform to continue to showcase their skill set in front of professional scouts, uh, which will also lead to other opportunities for careers in baseball. So I'm 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 excited about the opportunities that Stillman College will have an opportunity to throughout the course of the year to position ourselves. Uh, for consideration to to be one of the final four teams involved in that in that event, so we got to beat some people, and uh, with God's will, that's what we're going to do. All right, Brian. Okay. Uh, well, hey, um, coaches. Uh, again, let me remind everybody. Again, um, Monday, October tenth. 6.30 p.m., PNC Park. Uh, that's the home of the Pittsburgh Pirates, the HBCU Baseball Classic, the PGH, uh, HBCU Collaborative, helping to put that together. It is a free admission event. Gates open at 5. It's a free admission event. That's uh, huge. So, uh, look, I, I know uh, we have seen how big it is when, when our student-athletes – get an opportunity to play in these major league ballparks. It is a big thing. So if, uh, you know, if you are in the Pittsburgh area or know someone in the Pittsburgh area or know somebody who can travel within a day and go, please let them know about this event and let them know because uh, it'd be great to see uh, some representative uh, folks uh, like us there uh, to watch these teams play and who knows, might be an interesting little preview of what could come for both teams in the spring. You know, we, we'll see. We'll see. As both teams have aspirations of getting to the uh, HBCU World Series uh, at the end of the uh, baseball season. But uh, it'll be a good opportunity uh, for that to happen. So, again, that's Monday, October 10th. I believe the, the Major League season will be over. And I think it starts right before the playoffs. I think the playoffs start the next Tuesday. So, it's kind of like a, a great introduction before the playoffs start. So, uh, hey Brian, again, did you uh, uh, you did tell everybody that it's free, right? 
free admission. I said it, and, and hey, we can say <laughs> it again. Free, free, free. I, will, I just want to make sure everybody understands that. Free. Not exactly. a lot of times you get to do something free. Exactly. That's why. That's why I said, if you know someone in the Pittsburgh area, if, you, if you're in the area, if you're in the in the region, go go to the game free. You get a chance to be in a major league ballpark. Maybe they'll have. Uh, hopefully, they'll have the concessions open, or so you get some major league food. Whatever. You know what I mean. And just just go. Just <laughs> just go. Be a part of that event, and uh, you know it, it should be a good event. And uh, who knows? Maybe maybe they will be a part of some other things later on in the uh, actual spring. So, uh, coaches, hey, thanks for your time. Good luck the rest of the year in fall ball. Uh, and, and then more importantly, safe travels from uh, Marshall, Texas, and from Tuscaloosa. Uh, I know that's going to be a long trip, but it'll be a fun trip, I'm sure. And uh, so good luck and uh, all the best to you guys. And I know we'll talk again as the year, as the season gets a little bit closer, all right? Absolutely. Right. Thank you guys right. for having us on. Yes, thank, yeah, thank you, you very again. much. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Thank you again. Hey, uh, right. let's take a short break. Come back with some more. Uh, you're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. 